Hey, hey, friends, welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. Today, we're going to dig into some important cultural issues. As I welcome special guest, John Amanchuku Sr. John is a pastor, a speaker, and an advocate, and he's coming out with a powerful book, Erased. He's joining us today to talk about why he wrote the book Erased and to help expose the lies that so many have been conditioned to believe. In John's upcoming book, he dispels the myths surrounding abortion, critical race theory, and uncovers the left's sinister plot to destroy the black community and to divide the church. You know, I met John online. One of his videos popped up that really just put a fire in me. He was calling out pastors, telling them to have a backbone. He's not afraid to speak truth. And he also stands in the gap for many social injustices. Hey, John, welcome. Hey, thank you so much, Leah, for having me on your show. It's a blessing to be able to to speak to your wonderful audience. John, congratulations on your book coming out, Erased. Tell us a little bit more about why you wrote this book. Thank you so much. So this book comes out on October 4th. Go and purchase a copy. Go to Amazon. Go to Barnes and Nobles. Pretty much everywhere where books are sold. I'll give you the backdrop on why I uh, wrote this book. What really brought that about during the summer of 2020, you know, while anarchists were burning down city after city, screaming and shouting defund the police after the death of uh, George Floyd, while being at one of the busiest abortion clinics in the Southeast, I was encountered by a father who was wearing a, uh, a BLM shirt He walked up to me and said, why are you out here at this abortion clinic fighting a white man's issue? And listen, I was perplexed when he said that, because on that Saturday morning, 70 percent of the people outside of the abortion clinic were white. But nearly 80 to 85 percent of the people prepared to abort their babies on that Saturday were black in the clinic along with his child that was getting ready to be aborted. But he's going to question me and interrogate me and ask me, why am I out here fighting a white man's issue? Now, if I were to ask him in that moment what critical race theory means, he would possibly tell me, he would have possibly told me, um, I don't know, I've never heard of it. But he was a walking poster child for all things critical race theory. CRT sees racism everywhere, in every instance, in every interaction, and in every place, even when a Black millennial-aged young man, pastor, stands to fight for lives, Black lives, white lives, Asian lives, Pacific Islander, Native American, Hispanic, you name it, people people who support the ideologies of critical race theory, they even see racism in that. And that was the issue with that black father on that Saturday morning. And from that, the Lord just began to give me some concepts, give me a plan. He gave me a zeal and a passion for addressing these issues publicly. And all of that um, led to me writing uh, this book that you will see in the book uh, Erased. I go back and forth talk, pointing out the diabolical uh racism behind the critical race theory agenda and the abortion industry. I believe that uh, CRT is racism. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, it's, not a, it's not a tool that 
Unite is a tool that divides. One of the foremost speakers uh, for uh, critical race theory said that the best way to deal with past racism is present racism. I don't find that in the scriptures anywhere, you know, but what I do see us see is, you know, overcoming evil with good. You know, not rendering evil for evil. You know what I mean? That's what I see in scripture. I see love your neighbor as yourself. But today we have bought into these woke, godless lies. We don't need another theory. You know, you know, there was a time where theories (laughs) were perceived as just someone's opinion. Right. right? But today we're making these theories facts. You know what I mean? Uh, critical race theory is not a fact. It's just a, an opinion. It's a hypothesis that an individual had. You know, critical theory at the end of the day is what fueled critical race theory. Critical theory started in the Frankfurt School of Germany um, huh. during that time frame. And it also houses other woke terms like hegemonic power and intersectionality and gender theory and queer theory and sexism and the patriarchal system. All of those things are offshoots of critical theory, which which sought to divide and to overthrow power structures, which Mm. leads to Marxism and communism and socialism. And so I view critical theory as a canopy or an umbrella and under it, are all these additional woke ideologies that I just mentioned. And who wants to support critical race theory while under that same critical theory umbrella, we find the LGBTQ community tucked under that same umbrella, right? They're all uh, apples from the same poisonous vine. (laughs) And if you really track and trace back the origins of critical theory it was steep it was steeped in godless ideologies would you break down for those that don't know what exactly is critical race theory yes so critical race theory presupposes that whites are inherently racist and they are racist because they are the majority and since they are the majority they dominate power structures and systems. That's really the focal point of critical race theory. Oftentimes it's difficult to define critical race theory because it's a floating mass. It's elusive. It's always changing and always morphing, uh, you know, just like Satan, you know, always changing and always morphing. And even Satan was able to become an angel of light, you know, and critical race theory can look good. You know, it can look good on the surface, but when you dig down into it, it's not trying to bring unity. It's only trying to overthrow a power structure. Mm. Right. And when we look at it from that way, we see that it's something that we should not support. All right. It also critical race theory treats everyone as a group, but not as an individual. That's why they have this mindset that all whites are inherently racist, not just the racist whites. Because they want to keep us divided. It's another way to keep us divided. Exactly. Um, And so I I believe this, that not only can whites be racist, but blacks can be racist. 
<laughs> but according to critical race theory, blacks can't be racist because blacks are not the majority. John, were you born and raised in the South? Yes, I was born in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, and that's uh, right, out, right out on the coast. But I've lived in Raleigh pretty much all of my life. Yeah, I'm not from the South. I actually was born and raised in California. So I definitely had a culture shock when I moved here. You know, I would hear stories about the South, you know, civil rights, the lynchings, all those things, you know, gone with the wind, whatever. But really, we don't have that history. You know, we I came from a melting pot, a lot of diversity, even in fourth grade. You know, I just had, you know, Asian. I had Mexican friends. I had Puerto Rican friends, Middle Eastern it's just very diverse there. No, we're known as the melting pot. But God moved me to the South about 10 years ago. And I will have to tell you, honestly, when I got off the plane, I felt in the atmosphere, the spirit of segregation, you know, that heaviness. And then for the first time, I experienced what it was like to be treated differently based on your race. I mean, by people that didn't even know me, you know, complete strangers at the store, at the mall, you know, just out and about. And then I remember when I was trying to find a home church when I first moved here, and I went to a church just to visit. It was just a very popular, well-known church, and it was, you know, predominantly white. But I went there, and I really needed a sense of community because I didn't have any family here or anything, and I got invited to all these home groups right away. So I just really thought, like, oh, wow, I would have that sense of community here. But no joke, John, as I walked to my car, the Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks he spoke so clear to me, as clear as we're speaking right now. I didn't call you to fit in. I called you to be set apart and to bridge the gap. My God, come on, come on. <laughs> and you know, I was raised with the fear of God, so I don't play around. If he tells me to do something, I'm like, yes, Lord, yes. <laughs> then he started to open up these like crazy doors of racial reconciliation. You know, he would have me invited to an event that I didn't know much about by someone, you know, I would walk in, come to find out it's an all black event. <laughs> Everybody, no joke, would look at me. They would stop, stare, eyes wide open, almost like she does not belong here. You know, she must have the wrong address, you know, but I just go in there with confidence, with the joy of the Lord, you know, with the Holy Spirit. And by the end of the event, by the end of the night, they're all laughing with me, exchanging my contact information. And I've just watched the Holy Spirit use me in such a powerful way to do that, to bridge the gap. Come on. I could be here all day telling you story after story of times where I was the only white one in a room. I mean, it's really been powerful watching mindsets change, carrying the anointing for racial reconciliation that God has put on my life. And God started just keep showing me, you know, you would not be able to make this type of difference in California where it would have been comfortable in such diversity, right? I brought you to the South so you can make a mark, an unerasable mark. Because I don't come in with Southern mindsets. I don't have the experiences. I don't have the history of racism. You know, it's not in my culture. And so I'm able to walk in just authentic, you know, keep it real and to lead by example. And it's interesting because one time I asked this older black lady at my church, you know, why is it I'm just so friendly to everybody, but I feel like, you know, I get dirty looks and they just don't like me for no reason. You know, why is it? And she said, Leah, because in the South, there's a history that the friendlier that a white person was to you, the more racist they really were. 
So they must really think you're racist. <laughs> and I was like, wow, it's so opposite of me if they only knew, right? It's just the joy of the Lord. But isn't that so interesting that just the simple fact that I was friendly to them made them think that I was a racist? You know, you're from the South, so you can really speak on this more than me. But really, racism is a sin, and it's a tool from the enemy to keep us divided. Yes, yes. It's not a color or skin tone. It's a sin. It's a matter and the issue of the heart, right? And if your heart is corrupt, you know, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right, amen. What's in your heart will come out at some point. And if you have a spirit of prejudice, if you have a spirit of bias, if you think that your skin tone makes other people groups inferior, you need to check yourself and deal with your racism, you know, issue. Just recently, you know, the art museum, they have these summer night movie nights, you know, outside. Yeah. And my friend, my black friend, you know, she's like, hey, you want to go to this movie? I didn't even know the title of it. Maybe I should have done some research, but I just said yes. <laughs> I just wanted to get out. <laughs> I just wanted to get out the house. So I just said yes. And it was that movie, um, Black Messiah or something. Do you know the one? Yes, I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's about the civil rights. Mm-hmm. And I was just so grieved after that movie. It was so horrible. I mean, you would just hate each other after that movie. You know, it's just such a dividing movie. And I just felt so grieved and she felt grieved. And we were just walking to the car and I asked her, I said, why are they still playing these movies about the the civil rights and this very dividing movies? And she said, because that's what they want. You know, they want to divide us. Sure. Right. So what do you think? We know it's spiritual, you and I, but why do you think it's like that? Well, it's and I agree, you know, we, we, we can't overlook the fact that it is a spiritual issue. Um, Satan wants to create disunity and he knows how to do that by pitting races against one another um when you when you consider this um proverbs 6 16 through 19 the bible says these six things that the lord hate yea seven are an abomination unto him number one a proud look all right so that's pride god hates Pride, right. pride and sin that got Satan, uh, with Lucifer kicked out of heaven. You know, um, then you see the, the Bible says a lying tongue, and we see a lot of that today. People are finding creative ways to not uh, uh, say tell the truth or to avoid the truth, and so they they use lies, and and these lies come forth as deception, and the intent is to create more disunity. And then it says, and hands that shed innocent blood, all right, which speaks of killing those, um, the babies in the womb or murdering someone in general. God is against that. God hates that. And then a heart that divides wicked imagination. These are individuals who are always concocting plans and ideas to do evil and mischief. And then feet that be swift in running to mischief. Those are people who find themselves on the scene of drama. These are the drama queens and the drama kings. They always find opportunities to bring more disunity. And then uh, feet that be swift in running to uh, mischief. Those are individuals who are always present when there is trouble. Um, And then a false witness. And then those that speak lies. um, And he that soweth uh, discord among the brethren. 
Okay. And so th- these passages of scripture here in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, speak to a lot of what's going on today. The sowing of the discord, the lying tongue, the pride, the prideful. You know? yeah, the thing is, man, you have your race hustlers, you have your, your race baiters, people who are out there trying to find creative ways to pit communities against each other. And it's the exploitation of minorities at the end mm. of the day. All right. Yeah, it's like going to that summer movie where there was maybe 100 people out there, right? It's like, why do you keep playing these movies of things that we don't want to keep focusing on? Right, right. I just saw an ad for a movie about Emmett Till coming out. It's like they just keep doing these movies focusing on horrific things that have happened in history. I mean, why do they want to keep making racism fresh? And when is that movie coming out? I'm not sure. I saw that it was coming out soon. You know, I just saw an ad that it was coming out. It's coming out in time for the election. Hmm. Right. Right. It's all connected. Right. Let's let's find a way to further keep blacks on this liberal plantation that's headed nowhere. Come on. One of the main reasons why I despise critical race theory, because I view it as a loser theory. Hmm. It creates a victimhood mentality. And so we we are now allowed, Blacks are now allowed to blame the white man for all of the injustices and detrimental things that are happening, happening in our community. Um, the greatest threat to Black America is not white supremacy. The greatest threat to Black America is Black America. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you, when you talk about the fatherlessness rate, that's taking place and running rampant in the black community, nearly 78% or more of our homes are single parent family homes. Okay. But watch this critical race theory seeks to um, um, expose and drive away the patriarchal system. You know what I mean? That's the home being led by the man and the family. They want to do away with that. They want to, BLM wanted to do away with the nuclear family structure, right? All all of these things are just lead to doom and gloom and bad outcomes. But, you know, there are some Blacks, you know, who who espouse to this victimhood mentality, but I don't. Um, They pass out. Victimization to blacks as a crown, and only fools wear it. You know, mm. and I, I I refuse to put on the crown of victimhood. America is not a perfect country. There are many uh, errors and faults in American history, but as it relates to any other nation on the face of this planet, blacks do better here than any country in the world. I've been to Africa. I thank God for the motherland, all that good stuff. I know my roots. I know my heritage. I know all of that stuff, you know, but I also know who sold blacks into slavery. (laughs) You know, and there were other slaves besides African slaves. There are Egyptian slaves. There are all kinds of different races, but they always want to focus on it just being like black slaves. And, and, and there still is the majority of the slavery that still exists in the world today is in Africa. You know, I, I think we need to if people need to focus on that even more, you know, that the majority of that is still in 
in, in Africa, but I'm blessed to be an American, you know, uh, even though I will tell you that we had some major injustices that took place in this country, you know, I wouldn't trade the American experience and being here for anything. And now I'll be the first to tell you also that racism is real and that there are real cases of racism in America. I'll also tell you that we won't do away with racism until Jesus comes back. Uh. Racism is not a color or skin color. It's a sin. It's, the ma it's a matter and the issue of the heart, right? And if your heart is corrupt, you know, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right, amen. What's in your heart will come out at some point. You know, I believe it's a sin that goes overlooked, you know, but I don't think it's the greatest threat towards Black America. Matter of fact, I don't think that it's something that we should even spend time on. We need to address fatherlessness. We need to address the fact that Hispanics who speak English as a second language, they outperform Blacks on the EOG test scores. Mm. We need to focus on that. We need to focus on the personal achievement within the black community. We, we need to we need to focus on the fact that in the month of July, nearly 345 people were killed in Chicago and the majority of them were black. We need to focus on the fact that uh, since the inception of uh, Roe v. Wade in 1973, nearly 20 million black babies have been killed. And the NAACP, which was set forth, for, set forth for the advancement of colored people, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, they sided with the left and released a statement stating that this ruling is going to be damaging towards black people. I will not waste a second of my time trying to fight against white supremacy. That's not the issue. That's dominating the black community. The greatest threat to my community is my community. Yeah. And I have labored and worked for, for numerous years on making sure that we present the right examples to our young men and to our young women. You know, when you consider the black population, we represent only 13 percent of the overall population in the U.S., Black men account for 5%. Black women account for 8% of the Black women who are still ovulating. They make up about 3 to 4%, but they account for nearly 38 to 40% of the overall abortions in our country. Our numbers as a people, the Black numbers, the Black, the black population, our, our rate is not increasing. It's dying. Um, a pastor by the name of Clinard Childress said, that if the black abortion rate continues by 2038, blacks may have a voting block that's non-existent. Wow. You know, I want blacks to live. You know, and there are many people who will label me as, uh, as the white man's Negro or an Uncle Tom and all the other stupid stuff. Listen, I'm as black as they come. I want black people to live. <laughs> you can't pull, you can't pull my black car from me because yeah. I speak the truth. Right. I believe that we should put values over color. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, you know, I'm white, but still I would say what I see all the time and what I've seen for decades now that the the number one thing plaguing the black race is honestly black on black crime. 
Yeah, it's not, yeah, they love yeah. to say like that, that one white cop that would, you know, did this or that one white cop. That's the minority compared to what I see in Chicago where they're just walking up to cars and shooting babies. You know, the gangs, even Tupac, back when I used to listen to Tupac, you know, he, he made a song about that. He said, they want to blame the white man, but all I see is my own kind doing the killing here. That's right. That's, ain't that something? And I would also say the other thing is, like you said, the, there's no fathers. Fathers are the number one reason, I think, because yes. you see all these young um, black kids that are in the gangs. Yes. You know, you see the ones that are at the abortion clinics. What's right. the number one common denominator is they don't have fathers. And, you, and they're looking for belonging. They're looking for belonging. You know, this gang will make me feel like family. This gang right. will take me in. You know, there's every single human God has created us to have that. And when you take that away, you look for it in other ways. Right. Yes. And so I, I think that the number one, you know, cause for so many things that we see is a lack of fathers. Correct. As we contend for the faith, as we do the work of the Lord, we cannot be oblivious to Satan's plan. Right. He he comes to steal, kill and to destroy. And he will use anything possible. And today he has used the image of God, which is humanity. He's used the very image of God to drive division in our culture, you know, and we must be wise you know, we must be keen to what the enemy will seek to do. My prayer is this, that we will understand the true implications of the abortion industry and how Margaret Sanger sought to exterminate the black population. You know, that's a topic that we should talk about more, but we overlooked that, you know, the Black Lives Matters movement, they would never talk about that. They won't talk about uh, the abortion rate amongst the black community, but black lives matter, you know, but to them, it matters most when a white man kills a black man who's a police officer. We can march in the streets over that, but no one's going to march for the 20 20 million black babies that, that have been aborted. You know, and we go down to these abortion clinics and we will willfully give our 300 to 500 dollars to a doctor to destroy our own posterity. And we do that in the name of choice. And we propagate racism every time we support the abortion industry because Margaret Sanger wanted to eliminate the black population. She was a racist right there. She was a true racist. If you want to talk about systemic racism, look no further than Planned Parenthood, which still exists today. And the majority of black people, when we vote, we we support a political party that seeks to give nearly $650 million towards Planned Parenthood every year to do what? To by and large kill black people. Yeah. And, you know, the root reason why Planned Parenthood is even still exists and why they're not, you know, against abortion, not only money, but I don't know if you know that, you know, they use aborted babies for cosmetics, for, you know, products, for corporations that are making billions of dollars. They actually use aborted babies for their products. Collagen, right? Um, Even the COVID vaccine has been proven, proven, this is not conspiracy theorists, you know, has been proven to to use aborted babies. So it benefits them to have abortion. It benefits them to keep abortion alive. 
Yes, it it's does. It's demonic. It, 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 it really does. As the culture grows darker and darker, we're seeing that sin is now being promoted. You know, and we're putting we're now seeing that there's no difference between good and evil and, and right and wrong and wrong and right. You know, although the Bible tells us as Christians that we should put a difference there. Much of what we are seeing is what happens um, when you have a falling away. The Bible speaks of that as well, that people will fall away. The church will fall away. Christians who claim to know Christ will fall away. Um, and so here we are in this big mess that I call a famine. You know, we we have a month, um, June. You know, where where the, the the liberals and those who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, they celebrate the pride of going against God's natural design. You know, you know, we 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 are spiritually in a famine at this time. Those of us who are awakened to God's truth, we know that sooner or later, we're going to hear a triumphant sound. We're going to hear a trumpet. And Christ is going to call us all back home. And so I would say to those who are listening um, to continue to look up, look up towards heaven, look up towards God, because it's going to grow darker and darker. But we must know who we are in Christ and we must walk in spiritual boldness and authority. Amen. Amen. I know I was thinking when you were saying about the month, I was like a whole month of celebrating sin. I mean... (laughs) Who even yes. like the powers that be? Like who even came up with that? I don't even know who the you know who was the founder of that, right? It's just like all of a sudden you go to Target and you go these these other woke places and you see just you know apartment just dedicated to you know the enemy wants a counter for everything that God tries to do. You know what I'm saying? Like God has a rainbow as a symbol of a promise, and the enemy's going to try to come in and counterfeit it and make it his symbol, right? Yes, and it, yes. it's you know the only thing he can't counterfeit is love because he doesn't even know how to do that but you know he'll try to counterfeit anything that you know god originates right Right. Right. it just makes me sick you know walking in these stores and and seeing these you know a whole department is dedicated to sin and confusing children indoctrinating children i mean it just (laughs) you know i just don't want anyone shot there but anyways (laughs) (laughs) it's too bad they have cute stuff but anyways moving on symbol yeah. The symbol, the rainbow, that belongs to the church. You know, that was a symbol that God displayed, showing us that he would not uh, flood the earth with water again, right? And so they stole that symbol from the church, and we are willfully turning it over. We're not fighting. We're not contending. Consider this. You can't steal a symbol from Muslims. Right, right, right. Christians exactly. So weak, Speak so on weak. it. So weak and frail, you know, you know, the Muslims, those who practice Islam, you know, they're, they're very uh, <laughs> revengeful, you know, they're very militant. Oh, they'll get their machete out. Exactly. You know, but when it comes to Christians, they can take Christians um, lyrics and songs and literally uh, defecate on our music and use it to for their glory and secular secularize things that are deemed to be holy and the church won't even speak up or say anything but i believe that before you cast your vote in the midterm elections you need to get a you need to get a copy of erased if you know of some people maybe family members um 
maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend, and they're a little bit, you know, shaky on the issues of critical race theory and abortion and the woke culture. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. You need to get a copy of this book because this book will give you sound biblical advice on how to apply a biblical worldview to the culture. Listen, if we are born again, if we name the name of Christ, we must interact with the world by using a biblical world view. That gives us the ability to go into the voting booth as well and to vote according to our biblical values. Why is it that year after year, the church and many Christians, we find our way into the voting booth, <laughs> but we don't vote the biblical values that we say we believe in. You know, how do you distance yourself from the redemption of Christ? I am so thankful and grateful for what Christ has done for me. I believe the word of God from Genesis to Revelations. I don't want to separate myself from anything that God has said. I want everything that God has taught me. I want every sound bit. I want every truth. I want every sound bite. I want everything that God has to offer. I even want the things that make me feel good. And I want the things that convict me because all of this brings together the complete canon of scripture. But there are countless Christians who cherry pick. They pick and choose. And the reason why this is taking place is because we have too many wimps in our pulpits. We have wimps who are leading our churches. God did not call for the wimps, right? He didn't tell the wimps to come and follow me, right? He told men to come and follow him and he will make them fishers of men. You cannot fish for men and be a wimp at the same time. No, God called us to be watchmen. And that's an individual who stands at the gate. We're on the watchtower looking out for our culture, looking out for our congregations. And guess what? Watchmen articulate what they see. Come on. But we have too many who are watching but they're not saying anything about what they see. Right. And oftentimes this takes place because our pastors are so, so much, you know, bogged down into, you know, I got to keep the membership up and I have to please this board member because if I tick uh, brother Ron off, brother Ron is a big donor at this church and brother Ron may not give any more money. You know, you know what my message is to brother Ron, let your money perish with you. Because the preacher is accountable to God and not Brother Ron. Come on. And so we are in a place today where weak pulpits have created weak Christians. We can't stand for truth. We are afraid of the very doctrine that we say we believe in. We distance ourselves from a historical model of Jesus. Jesus was not a pushover. He was not a wimpy savior. <laughs> no, he was a strong man. Jesus wasn't effeminate. You know, you know, for some men, they don't want to come to church because they see, they feel as if you got to be emasculated to do the modern day church experience, you know. But no, you know, Christ was a strong, rough, you know, muscular, tough man, you know. He, he was not one of those men who bought into toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah, we need some more table flipping Jesus pastors, you know. <laughs> 
that that's that that kind of Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who told us to cast our pearls before swine? Who you know? Who called Herod a dog? You know that, that the kind of brash Jesus. You know we when you consider the first message that was preached after uh, Pentecost, when Peter gets up and preaches, I think we should go back to that more. Peter didn't preach a wimpy sermon. He preached a powerful sermon, so much so that he dealt with things in the moment that he really didn't have to touch on, but Uh he wanted to remind his crowd that even you, you, you people that are standing out here today accusing us of being drunk on wine, right? Because we spoke in unknown tongues. Listen, you, you people crucified Jesus. He did that. You know, that's just that's so bold. That's so against the culture, you know, but today most people are afraid to be canceled. But here's the reality for every Christian believer. If you are born again, you've already been canceled. Come on. You were canceled at the foot of Calvary. Right. And no one can now cancel that which is already canceled. I've been canceled by God. When I was baptized, I came up a new person. I identified with Christ uh, through the baptism, you know, and then I received this precious gift called the Holy Spirit. And I'm not ashamed of that, to say that I am spirit-filled. In order for me to do the work of the Lord, I must be spirit-filled. And even today, there are some denominations that push against the third part of the Trinity. Yeah, you don't even hear about the Holy Spirit in some churches. You, you don't you don't even you wouldn't even know he yeah, exists. Exist. You would think it was the, the duo. <laughs> you're 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 so you're so right. You know, I'm I'm one and um I don't want to get into doctrinal issues, but I believe in continuationism that that the gifts of God did not cease with the apostles. Oh of course no I see miracles all the time now. He's the and, same God of Moses and Noah he is today. So yeah. Exactly. I, 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 I believe that. And, and there are some who believe that they ceased, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't espouse to that, you know. I mean, that's a sad life to live. If you think about it, I mean, you're sitting there committed, believing in a God that you don't think is alive and real, <laughs> you know, why even do it? Right. <laughs> you know, I don't even know how somebody could follow a powerless Jesus or a dead God. So, 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 so true. Listen, I want all of what God has for me. I want the the son. I want the Holy spirit. Give me all. I want all of it. (laughs) You know, and so. You're preaching to the choir, brother. (laughs) Hey, 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 thank you. I mean, I'll tell you, John, as soon as I heard the news about the overturn of Roe versus Wade, before my feet even hit the floor in the bed, you know, I saw a post that was, thank God, a victory post But I literally just started weeping and thanking God, praying in the spirit and just thanking God for the overturn. And, you know, I naturally expected that every Christian would be rejoicing, you know, 50 years, 63 million babies murdered, that everybody would be rejoicing. And unfortunately, you know, I went on my Instagram. I mean, I had to do like four finger scrolls and I saw, you know, maybe 10% of the pastors, the leaders and the musicians in the faith posting about this at all. And that just really hit me. And I felt the next day, the Holy Spirit was really wanting me to do a video calling pastors out. And I was like, ah, no, you know, but he would not let it go. And the next day, you know, he's like, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it now? You know, he wouldn't let it go. 
So I was obedient and did a video. I did a podcast on it. You know, I'm telling you, God is really separating the wheat from the chaff in our country right now. And it's time to wake up and do what's right. So when your video popped up, you know, calling out pastors, telling, you know, pastors to speak truth, you know, it really just woke me up because unfortunately that's rare right now. We really need more leaders like you out there, you know, you know, that's why I wanted to have you on today because your message is so important. You know, pastors, Christian leaders, influencers, you know, they all need to hear this. It's not out there enough. Hey, thank you. You know, I enjoy um, this kind of dialogue with a like-minded individual because you oftentimes don't get this, you know, because there are countless churches that I've interacted with over the past 10 years of trying to reach out to churches and get them on board to stand for the sanctity of life. I mean, I've come in contact with numerous pastors who don't want to touch issues like abortion, you know, and they give various different reasons as to why they don't want to do it. But the main reason why they shrink back and don't want to touch the issue is because many of them have become cowards and uh, and cowardice is not a fruit of the spirit. God has not given us. (laughs) Yeah, that's the rotten fruit. Right, right. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. John, let me tell you, you know, God gave me a deep revelation about, you know, two, three years ago when one time he told me to post something, I was going to post it, but I knew, you know, if I say it this way, people are probably not going to like it, you know, because it was just like, I mean, it was really tough love, you know? And so I was thinking about a way that I can make it kind of softer. You know, I was thinking how I could edit it. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit stopped me in that moment. I'm telling you, I just got rebuked by the Holy Spirit, straight up conviction. You know, he told me in that moment, you can either please God or man, not both. So choose today. And I decided to choose him. And ever since then, you know, I say whatever God tells me to say, I say it exactly how he tells me to say it. You know, I don't sugarcoat it. I don't water it down. I don't make it palatable, you know, to where you're at in your faith because I want to be obedient. And I know that he has given me the anointing to be his mouthpiece. Yes, yes. Of course, you have to come from a right place, you know. I mean, you can speak truth and still come from, you know, a place of anger, a place of hate, place of pride, right? It's important that it comes from a place of love because you want your brothers and sisters to do better, you know, to be Christ-like and to live a righteous and holy life. You know, I don't know about you, but I've dealt with cancel culture, you know, I've been shadow banned. I've had posts deleted on Instagram. You know, if you're a Christian conservative, then, you know, they're going to try to censor you. That's just how it is. Now, if you are a woke so-called Christian, you know, you might get away with things. But if you're really going to speak truth and call out things and be controversial and, you know, you're going to get haters and you have to be okay with that. It comes with the territory. The important fact that so many Christians need to understand is that God is the lion and the lamb. He's not one or the other. I mean, Jesus had so much compassion. You know, he would hold the broken in his arms, but then to someone else, he would flip a table. Right. (laughs) You know, he's not one or the other. He's both. And that's why Christians really need to walk with the spirit of love and have discernment. 
If you're walking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, and you want to be like Jesus, then there's going to be times that you flip tables and there's going to be times that you love on the lost. It's really a case by case basis. And Jesus is the lion and the lamb. I mean, this is what it looks like to look and live like Jesus. And so I really preach a message of surrender and Christians having discernment, because if you don't have discernment as a Christian, you're not going to make it in this day and age where the world is getting darker and they're calling evil good. That's right. That's right. You're so, you're, you're so right. You said something earlier that really uh, struck a nerve, and that was when you talked about the response in the church when Roe v. Wade was overturned. You know, where were, where were the statements? You know, we even saw many church denominations um, take on the whole issue of feeling as if critical race theory should be a part of the platforms of many of our denominations. And um, there was so much white guilt going around that it was enough to pass around for everyone. And my message towards white guilt is this. I don't have any white friends who experience white guilt. I don't have any white guilt. I mean, I believe that God created each and every one of us to be exactly who we're supposed to be. So it's not an accident I'm white. It's not an accident I'm the age I am. I'm the gender I am. I live where I live. You know, everything is very intentional with God. God created us on purpose for a purpose. Just like he created you, a 38-year-old, you know, black male in the South. God had a purpose and there's things that you can do being who you are that I can't do and vice versa. And as soon as you have sex, I mean, I'm not trying to get graphic, but you know, as soon as you conceive, God chooses your gender. There's a reason why you're either male or female. God has a specific reason for that. God really doesn't make any mistakes, but the devil will have you believing that he does, you know. And you see now in our world, just how many people he has convinced, you know, with all this gender confusion. That's right. When it comes to the whole white guilt thing, I, it's okay for a person who's Caucasian to, to feel empathy. Right. right? I understand that. But to feel guilt, you know, that makes me feel I, that I should have black shame for God making me a black man. If you feel white guilt, then I should have black shame. And I don't feel, I don't feel that way because I strongly feel that there's, there's nothing shameful about God making me black. Right. You know what I mean? There's nothing superior about God making you white. Right. right. I think that God chooses the colors, right? He's the one that gives us the wonderful tapestries of different colors and sh different shades. He did all that to his glory. He said, come, let us make man in my own image. All right. And that's what he did. And so um, I don't think a person should be forced to feel guilt because they are white. Right. And the truth is, you know, th this whole white guilt thing is very new. You know, five, 10 years ago, nobody talked about white guilt. It didn't even exist. That term didn't even exist, right? It's just this whole woke culture, you know, and people trying to please other people, right? And so they just all of a sudden have white guilt. That's why it's so important that Christians have their identity in Christ. When you really understand that I am who I am for a purpose, you know, you won't have any guilt. Of course, I'm not saying that there's not some part of history that makes me sad. I mean, slavery makes me sad, right? What happened to the Jews? You know, Hitler was evil. That makes me sad, right? There has been acts of evil in our history that we wish never happened. You know, I'm very justice-wired advocate, you know. So anytime there's death of the innocent, you know, especially because of race, 
That makes me sad. That makes me want to rise up and do something. Any type of injustice should grieve you as a Christian. We, we, we can't be clueless. We must know what's going on at all times, you know, and that's why we need our pastors to show us the way, you know, don't, don't, don't just preach a topical sermon to your people. No, we need expositional preaching. We need to be taught the Bible line upon line, precept upon precept, teach us the totality of the word of God. And if we do that, when it comes time to vote, we will vote biblical values. Right. You know, we won't go to the voting booth wearing a BLM shirt saying that I'm a Christian and I'm getting ready to vote my Christian values. No, you're not. You know, you're getting ready to support an ideology that's antithetical to the doctrine that you say that you believe. Right. And that's where the real battle. Lies. Well, Christians need to be awake, not woke, you know. That's right. That's 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 right. As we wrap up today, I just have to tell you, John, it's been amazing having you on. I even learned a lot from what you had to say today. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. You know, keep speaking truth, brother. You know, I support you and I'm proud of all that you're doing for the kingdom. I'll definitely get the word out on your upcoming book, Erased. I mean, this is a heavy hitter. Everybody needs to buy it. Yes. Thank you so much. October 4th, get a copy of Erased. Get a copy. Order a box, order 10, order 15, order, order a truck. No. Yes, if you Christmas is coming. That's that's right. Do it, do it, do it. John, would you end us in prayer today? Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for this time to come together with such a brilliant and wise and gifted young lady who's doing kingdom work for such a time as this. Lord, I pray that you will bless this podcast. I pray that you will use her immensely as she seeks to do your will. God, you love your creation. We are formed and made in the image of God. You create a concept for every person that exists, even the nearly 64 million babies that have been aborted. You did that, God. And today, God, we give you the glory because there is only one God. There's only one true potentate. There's only one true king. And we call you Jesus. We serve you. We love you. And we ask that you will continually bless us as we do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, amen. Thank you so much for sharing today and coming on. Yes, no problem. Thank you so much. Make sure to subscribe to get all the blog and podcast updates at leahmariecarson.com. Follow on Instagram at The Lens of Faith. And be sure to subscribe to The Lens of Faith podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google. Remember, friends, life becomes clearer when you focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon.